Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing! Hello, hello, and welcome back to When in Romance, where we get to talk about all the good things that romance novels are for or something like that i don't know it's the first episode of the fiscal year (laughs) anyway fair i am jess and i am trisha and my fiscal year actually starts october 1st so but happy new year to you jess thank you thank you um we, we are recording on thursday july 6th it's been the longest short week ever, but I am happy to be here with you. I am happy to be here too. And Jess, listeners don't know this, but you needed a couple of extra minutes um, before we started, which was actually really great because it allowed me to spy on the people in my parking lot. <laughs> uh, there's this person in my building who is, I want to say like, early 20s, maybe in college, maybe just like finished it up. I live in a college town. Mm-hmm. Uh And that person was definitely standing by their car chatting with another person, like, in that way that you do when you're, like, kind of flirting and, like, one person's going to leave, but the other person is – I don't know. I've been watching them now in a non-creepy way. (laughs) It just happens to be the case that my desks face out the window into the parking lot. It's normally very boring, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. uh, I'm hoping some things work out for these two. We'll see what happens. Fingers crossed. Sending them good vibes. Yeah, and someone else in my building is moving. There's been a lot going on here in my parking lot for the last couple of days. So I'll keep you all posted and let you know how it goes. Definitely have to. But in terms of fictional romances that I am not creepily observing from my parking lot, (laughs) as always, Jessica Pride, I am wondering what you are reading. Well, I am doing the slowest listen ever of We Could Be So Good, Cat Sebastian's most recent book. I have only been listening to it in the car because I haven't really found any projects that I could actually do in the house that I could focus my listening closely enough on. Um, and I only go into the office a couple times a week. So I'm only like maybe 30% into the book. But if mm-hmm. you're unfamiliar with We Could Be So Good, it is Kat's first traditionally published mid-century historical romance the middle of the 20th century she has a couple that she self-published but the rest of her traditionally published books are regencies and um this one is about two newspaper guys in the late 50s in new york and one is very like a brooklyn italian boy and the other one went to boarding school in new england right so um the one who Mm -hmm. went to boarding school is going to end up running the newspaper but he is hopeless like if you were reading it 
if they existed now, he would be diagnosed with ADHD. He's always losing his keys. He can't keep up with anything. So Nick, the other guy, kind of like takes to looking after him. And they become really good friends. And eventually they will become really good more. So... I'm looking Aww. forward to continuing that. Joel Leslie narrates the, the audiobook, and it's one of the reasons, even though I'm staring at my print copy of the book right now, I like once I started listening to the audio, I was like, I cannot, I cannot consume this book in any other way. Joel Leslie's narration is so good, <laughs> um, and he Aww. he has like these really great voices for each of the characters. It's it's you have to you have to check it out if you are an audiobook kind of person. Sounds like it might even convert those of us who are not traditionally audiobook persons. It could. It could. Everything about it sounds delightful. It's so good. I love it. What are you reading, Trisha? Fair question. So I will say this. I had a stretch of time in the spring where I was very much kind of in a reading slump, Mm -hmm. where I would like read a little bit here and there for the podcast mostly, but a lot of what I was reading was rereading. Sometime in the last two to four weeks, I don't know, something snapped. And like, I have been just inhaling all kinds of different books. We'll talk about some of them today or next time. But the one that I just picked up within the last day or two, I'm only about 20, 25% of the way through. But it's the book Single Dads Club by Therese Bahari, Mm. just published about a month ago in June. Um, I always forget that Bahari's books are set in South Africa, and then I'm always delighted to find that they are set in South Africa. I believe (laughs) that is where she lives. And as the title would suggest, the book is about a single dad. He has like a baby baby. Like this baby is maybe two months old. Like this Mm. is a really little baby. He had the baby... um, what is a nice way to say the baby came from a one night stand? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what that's, happened. I mean, <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yes. So the father, Rowan, had a one night stand and the mom became pregnant. They decided to have the baby, but they are not a couple. They mm. decided that they would, that they were better kind of as co parents and as friends and as roommates, which gets a little complicated. Mm. So they are raising this baby. They moved to a new small town to be closer to Rowan's grandmother to help out with the baby, but they don't know anyone there until they meet Delilah. He meets Delilah, who is a barista slash babysitter slash personal assistant slash kind of, she she is actually hasn't been there that long herself, only about a year and a half, but she kind of instantly recognizes, first of all, that she is very into Rowan, she thinks he's super hot, and she thinks the baby is adorable, but also she can tell that he is struggling. He is mm. struggling with being a new parent I don't know if it's necessarily considered postpartum depression if you are not the birthing parent, but Mm. he's definitely dealing with this massive change in his life and what it has the kind of impact that it has had on his mental health. And so she starts realizing that he needs to kind of be introduced to some of the other parents in the community. And so like she is trying to help him while also being super into him and he is falling for her while also living with the mother of his baby It seems like it's getting very complicated, but that just means that I am having a harder and harder time putting it down. Mm -hmm. So that is Single Dads Club by Therese Bahari. I recommend so far. I'll keep you posted. Awesome. I look forward to hearing more about it. I am like three or four books behind on when it comes to Bahari and that one, like I've seen it and every time I see it, I go, I need to read that. And then of course I don't because that is the name of my memoir. I need to read that. Yes. (laughs) 
Well, and for what it's worth, this one is the first, if I, I think it's going to be a series. It looks on some of the sites like Goodreads that might be a series, but for what it's worth so far, it stands alone. So if you or anyone who is listening wants to be able to pick up a book by Bahari, this is, this one's easy. You just pick it up, read it for yourself. Awesome. It can be great. All right. Well, before we move on. Speaking of books. Speaking of books. Yeah. yeah <laughs> totally. We sometimes do here. <laughs> <laughs> what do S.A. Cosby, Khalid Hosseini, Sarah Bakewell, and Yadon Israel have in common? They've all been guests on Book Riot's newest podcast, First Edition, where BookRiot.com co-founder Jeff O'Neill explores the wide bookish world. You can subscribe to hear them and stay to hear Book Riot's editors pick the It Book of the Month. To find it, you can just search First Edition in your podcast player of choice. So check out First Edition featuring... Our co-founder, Jeff O'Neill. Indeed. All right, we have a lot to cover today. I say we take a quick break and then jump back in. How does that sound? Excellent. And since you and I are the only ones who matter in this particular moment, that's what we'll do. (laughs) Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing! All right, we got a couple of little follow-up things, and then we're going to chat about something that you wrote about recently, Jess, but I'm going to let you follow up first. All right. So a couple episodes ago, we talked about uh, sports romance and particularly dug into basketball romance, and I realized just before we recorded last time and then forgot that I had another book to talk about play it forward by frederick smith who's a great friend of the podcast is a book that i read a couple years ago and just sort of forgot it existed because my mind is a a sieve but if you we were talking about how there isn't a lot of queer basketball in romance and if you wanted to experience a queer black romance featuring an NBA player, Play It Forward by Frederick Smith, is a book that you could get you started. So check that one out. And we will link to it in our show notes. Like you mentioned, Frederick Smith is a friend of the pod, so always nice when we can recommend a book. Mm-hmm. And then I had a quick follow-up. I had a conversation with a dear friend of mine who is also a friend of the podcast and a friend of books and libraries. My friend Faith and I were chatting recently, and she mentioned that she had listened to the episode where we were uh, talking about the most influential romances of the last decade. And she was saying that she had had some conversations with friends and colleagues of hers and wanted to offer a little bit of a defense, not necessarily of Colleen Hoover's books, Um, Mm -hmm. I hope I'm not getting this wrong. She can let me know if I am. (laughs) But more of kind of the impact that Colleen Hoover has had, which Mm -hmm. is to say, which that was what the list was. So very fair, which is to say that Colleen Hoover's books and kind of presence in the book world has opened 
the door to people being able to look for additional books, right? Mm -hmm. As a librarian, even as a school librarian, I believe she, I don't think she would mind my saying she works with fifth and sixth graders. Even students who are fairly young have seen some of this dialogue, seen some of these titles, and they will ask Faith, you know, do you have this book? And she will say, well, we don't have that book in this library because you are 11 years old, but <laughs> let me recommend this other book that I, as a professional, can recommend to you that has sort of a similar level of drama or a similar level of, of something. So mm-hmm. I think the point, and again, I, I apologize if I'm sort of misrepresenting this, but I think the point is one that we maybe didn't hit super hard in that episode. But when people have a language or a comparison or something that helps them to explain to a librarian or a bookseller or some kind of professional sort of what they're looking for, and Mm -hmm. it helps them get connected to a new and different kind of book, there is something to be said for that. And I think it is worth noting that, you know, Colleen Hoover has certainly played a role in that. So Mm -hmm. credit where it's due. And I mean, honestly, I think I put her at like number three. So... (laughs) <laughs> we're uh, already giving her some level of credit, but but I do think that was a fair point. So it seems worth mentioning. And I think our last bit of just kind of quick follow-up is that we did our spring, let's call it spring. It was June, but still, that's technically still spring. Yeah. Uh, book Club Book. It was great. We were excited about it. We liked it very much. But it's going to be time, sooner rather than later, for us to do our summer book club. Oh, boy. <laughs> feels like I was like can that possibly be true yeah, I guess September is technically sort of summer whatever it's fine Q3 yes summer does not end in September here so we're good <laughs> yeah especially where you live <laughs> yeah um our quarter three book club book so as always if anyone has any thoughts or recommendations or suggestions either for a specific title or a type of book mm-hmm. that you feel like we haven't covered or we haven't done recently let us know I feel like that's that's the announcement. That's the that's the thing. Yeah, we look forward to hearing your thoughts. Indeed, we do. <laughs> and now that we have done all of our, our kind of checking in and housekeeping and whatnot, Jess, you recently did a post for Book Riot about what Regency romance is, is not, why it is so popular. And I thought it might be an interesting thing, you know, I think a lot of our listeners read the site and have the opportunity to kind of dive into the different things that people write. I don't know that everyone catches everything. Mm-hmm. And I thought we might be able to kind of talk in a little bit of a different way or with a slightly different dimension about Regency romance. I thought your piece was really good. I will link to it in the show notes for anybody who didn't have a chance to catch it. But it also seemed like you did a fair amount of research. I don't know if you learned new things because it feels like you know everything all of the time, generally. (laughs) Uh, So it might not be that you learned anything new. I learned new things by reading it. But I was just wondering if you wanted to talk a little bit about kind of the way that you approach the topic and and what you think of Regency romance and why it is so popular. Absolutely. And I will start by saying I love Regency romance. Like I I don't read it very much anymore, um, in part because it does require um, a little bit of world building attachment. And sometimes you don't want to have to think that hard. And I will say that when I started writing this, it was going to be around maybe 800 to 1000 words. And it did not end up being that I'm very sorry. I feel like it's longer than that. <laughs> I think it might be more words than that, Jess. I think it's the longest thing I've ever written for Book Riot. Yeah, it didn't feel long. Like it felt, <laughs> I thought, at least not to me, I 
you know, to each their own. But yeah, yeah. I'm glad that I would have felt cheated if you had only written 800 words. So thank you for taking that extra time. I, I, I do what I can. And I wanted to not only talk about sort of why Regency romance in particular, as opposed to Victorian, as opposed to American Western, or any any of the, those things, why that's the most frequented space for historical romance. I wanted to actually discuss how it came about, like, what is the Regency? Because the Regency was literally a nine-year period, and somehow we have more dukes than, like I said in in the post, the current population of Rhode Island. Yeah, that blew my mind. <laughs> also, the fact that it was a nine-year period, I was like, that. I trust Jess, but that can't possibly be right. And then I was like, no, she's right. It is yeah. what it is. And, you know, we when we talk about the Regency, some authors have started writing a little more in late Regency, which is like the 1820s. And some of what you might consider technically Georgian is still part of that sort of like overarching Regency period. So I did learn that because I knew that the Regency was like that nine year period, but I didn't think about the fact that when particular people are talking about the Regency, they basically mean from the madness of George III to Victoria's mm-hmm. coronation. Um, so that's a mm-hmm. that's a little bit longer. But most of the books that we read that are Regency set are literally Regency set. Like they're coming back from Napoleonic Wars. They're wearing very mm-hmm. narrow dresses. They're, like it's mm-hmm. very yeah. Regency. Yeah. Yeah, when when you wrote that the Industrial Revolution hadn't yet made it to London, I was like, wait, these are pre and I it reminded me of something you told me once when I was having a hard time distinguishing between Regency and Victorian, which is look for the trains. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, because the Industrial Revolution came and so did trains. Yeah, but yeah, so I mean, so you established kind of what the period, and then talked and thought a little bit about why this nine year period, which I think is a really interesting question. Yeah, and like. There is a longer answer, obviously, but like the main thing that it comes out of is two of our like past romance greats, and that is Jane Austen and Georgette Heyer. And as I mentioned in the piece, Georgette Heyer is her own can of worms that we can talk about or not talk about some other time. But Mm -hmm. so you have Jane Austen, Pride and Prejudice was published in 1812. I know that that wasn't her first book, but it's probably her most lasting book. Even if you haven't read all of Jane Austen's books, you're more likely to have experienced Pride and Prejudice either through print or film or television or fan fiction or something, right? Um, Or or romance retellings, (laughs) honestly. Yes, yes. Yeah, well, and, like, also, name me another Austin hero who you can name with, like, that Colin Firth wet shirt scene. Like, yeah. I mean, name me any other. First of all, name me another Austin hero you can name at all, <laughs> which many of you can. I don't. I get that, I know. But if you were a <laughs> member of the general public, Fitzwilliam Darcy is probably, even if you only know him as Mr. Darcy, probably the one that people would name. Mm-hmm. So that's the Jane Austen thing. And that's that very time period. And then Georgette Heyer in the 20th century, who is like considered the beginning of modern romance novels as we know them, was like, I like this period. I I think we should 
take Jane Austen's time and elevate them. None of this poor landed gentry. They have to be aristocrats. Um, so she wrote our first Duke, and they've been happening ever since. Many, many, many times. Yes. <laughs> many, many, many times. Yeah, which I think is interesting, too. As I was reading your, and I want to um, get into some of the authors that you talked with as well, but it was interesting to read your piece because I know that there are people that have very strong feelings about historical romance, very strong feelings about being more into historical or less into historical or not reading historical. I don't know. I would be interested if this is true of other people. I don't know that I necessarily make a decision about a romance related to whether it's historical or contemporary, mm -hmm. which sounds a little silly. And I'm sure that there is some part of my brain that is making that distinction. But I think I'm much more likely to make a decision about a historical based on whether it's fantasy or sci-fi or mm. like uh, romantic suspense versus romantic, like contemporary versus historical. It feels to me like it's kind of like deciding whether you're going to read a small town romance or one set in Chicago, you know? Mm -hmm. But I don't know, again, I that's I have to think that through a little bit more because I'm probably wrong. But it is interesting to think about what it is that people get excited about with that time period. I will say one of the observations that I've made, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, Jess, is that sometimes it feels like the conflict or the dark moment is a little more authentic in a historical romance because the circumstances mm. can play a pretty major role. Whereas in a contemporary romance, it might be like, ah, there was this misunderstanding about this person having an affair with their coworker, and then they talked about it, and it was fine. Mm -hmm. Whereas in historical romance, it might be like, well, if she leaves and goes and marries this person, she will be ruined. Mm. But maybe love is enough. So, but I don't know. It's I, Like I said, I'd be um, interested in whether other people have stronger feelings about the difference between the two. I think that there are some, like, fluffy misunderstanding type plots that can happen in historicals. But, yeah, like, sometimes the stakes are, are pushed a little higher because of social stratum and everything else that, that really, like, affects the people in a different way than they do in a contemporary. And, you know, like, danger. Like, somebody gets shot in the Regency. Yeah they might not yeah. live. <laughs> like, There's not like a trauma one, a trauma one center just yeah. down the street with an ambulance that can take them there. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Well, and you actually had the opportunity. I'm guessing everyone wanted to talk to you because you're such a big deal. <laughs> but you talked to a variety of different writers about why they write Regency romance and why they think it has appeal. Um, mm -hmm. Was there anything in that experience of talking with those folks that really stuck out to you? Oh my gosh, it was just amazing that that they responded to my emails at all. Um, but also, uh, I am I could not be less surprised that they wanted to talk with you. But sorry, continue. But like, there were a lot of capital T thoughts. And I wish that I could have published everything that everyone had to say, because they had such great things. And I had to sort of narrow down quotes and, and really like, shrink down everything that they were saying besides what I quoted into something that still managed to be understandable. And I think 
Liana, um, who I, th- I think was also the first person to respond. Liana De La Rosa, who has a, a history of writing Regency romances and publishing them on her own, who has now published Victorian romance with Berkeley. And she mentioned that a lot of what she thinks the reason that people are drawn to it is because of the rose-colored glasses, which totally made sense. But then she actually got her friend Elizabeth Bright to to talk to her, and she sent me both of their responses. And uh, Elizabeth mentioned that there are things that you can talk about in historicals that you can be a little more both subtle and didactic with that are harder to do in contemporary romances. And I hadn't even mm-hmm. really thought about that. Like it's you, you read about, you know, sort of the plight of the feminist woman in, in 1814. And you can talk about a lot of things there that talking about them in a contemporary romance would leave some people who are not looking for, I'm using air quotes, politics in their romances mm-hmm. would be like, why are we talking about this? Why can't they just mm-hmm. be two people falling in love, right? So mm-hmm. that was interesting to think about because while I'm sure that that was something that was somewhere in my brain, it hadn't really come forward as a clear thought. So now I'm going to be thinking about that every time I read a Regency romance. <laughs> yeah, that's super interesting. And I'm interested generally sort of if you have other thoughts, but I think we've had this whole conversation and I have not, we have not clarified where are you mentioned that you have read and loved Regency romance? Mm-hmm. Is it like a top genre? Is it is it enough that it draws you to a book, or is it just that you have come across enough books that you that happen to be of interest to you that are Regency romances? Kind of like I'm interested in where you are. Like, kind of what made you want to write this? I really do enjoy Regency romances. I haven't been reading a whole lot this year and the past few years, like I've mentioned. But I think if you went like my top two subgenres, but not really subgenres, contemporary romance would be number one, because they're the mm-hmm. easiest to pick up. And then historical mm-hmm. of any kind would be number two. So like, mm-hmm. romance with real people on earth are the things <laughs> that I that I love most. Who aren't getting murdered. <laughs> yeah. Is that because yeah, who aren't who aren't <laughs> running from the law? Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't want them to be shooting people or getting shot at for the most part. Although sometimes, sometimes I would actually probably be more inclined to read that kind of thing set in a historical romance than I would in a contemporary one. Interesting. Yeah, I'll read historical lawmen. But most of them are Beverly Jenkins as lawmen. <laughs> so that's like a sure. completely different category. And one of the things is I've gotten to know the types of Regency authors that everyone knows. I love Sarah McLean. I love Loretta Chase. You know, all of these mm-hmm. people who are very familiar if you are a common mm-hmm. Regency reader. So what I have to work at regularly is to make sure that I am reading more broadly in Regency. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you and I always talk about trying to read more broadly in romance yeah. as a whole. 
but just reading like there are people I know who only read Regency romance and if they read a book mm-hmm. a day they could keep reading Regency romance forever I am not that person <laughs> but yes. but i'm trying to read you know more than just those those regency authors who everyone knows that is the work that i'm kind of doing now and it's not really work because it's still fun and i'm still going back to read you know various people that i might have only read one book by them even if they have several like Mm -hmm. ava lay i've read two of her books I need to go back and oh, read yeah. all of them. Sophie Jordan, so many people. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's just, there's so much that's happening in Regency. Like if you look at Vanessa Riley's work and you look at her yeah. historical fiction, you can see mm-hmm. how much work she's put into just sort of like building these worlds as accurately as she can while still maintaining the regency alternate universe reality thing because Mm -hmm. i didn't talk about it much here but i very much talk about in the article how the real regency and the romance regency aren't really the same thing yeah i think that makes sense i would very very highly like i said i will make sure that there's a link in the show notes i would highly recommend that folks take a look at jess's post because there are also yeah we didn't get into every piece of it there's a very good point that you make about why uh, even though a lot of Regency authors are American, a lot of what is happening is the British aristocracy. And as you mentioned, the short answer is slavery and the role that it was playing here in the US at that time. So I think, yeah, again, I would highly, highly recommend that folks take a look. And we didn't necessarily just offer a few different book recommendations, but if you go into the post, you'll see others. So mm-hmm. anything else that you want to mention about this before we take another break, Jess? I don't have a good way to wrap this up. Um, if you have any <laughs> questions about, or if you see something that I wrote that is not actually correct, please, please let me know. Because yes. I did my due diligence, but there could always be some thing that I did not find that counteracts something that I talked about, either historically about the origin of the romance or anything else, anything else like that. I just want to put that out there because I am pretty sure that I did real good, but there's always a chance for mistakes. And whether or not uh, Jess made them, I'm pretty sure she didn't. Um, But let us know if she did. (laughs) And in the meantime, Jess, thank you so much for your more than 800 words on Regency (laughs) Romance. We really appreciate it. We will take a quick break and then we'll talk a little bit about some things that we're excited about that are coming up. All right. So about this time of year, every year, we talk about some of the books that we have loved so far in the year, and we talk about some that we are excited about. We realized we weren't quite ready to talk about the books that we have loved so far this year, although there are many. Mm -hmm. So we figured we would actually start and talk this episode about some of the books coming out in the second half of the year that we are jazzed about. So Jess, why don't you kick it off? All right. So the closest book that I'm excited about, that I actually already have my copy of, but you all won't be able to get it until the 11th, which I think as of you listening to this would be the following day, if you're listening to it on Monday. Yeah, I was gonna say, that's tomorrow, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. um, is It Happened One Fight 
by Maureen Lee Lanker. And if that name is familiar, even though this, I think, might be a debut novel, I might be wrong. It's because Maureen has been an amazing advocate for romance for Entertainment Weekly. And um, she is a great voice on whatever social media site you are currently using. (laughs) (laughs) Could be many. But this one is a romantic comedy set in the 1930s in Hollywood. And I gotta tell you, I love the fact that we are getting more and more sort of whatever the time is between the wars. It's technically pre-war, but it's not pre I don't know. Um <laughs> I'm glad that we're getting yeah. so many books set in the 20th century but like not World War 2. Is basically what I'm yes. saying. Yes. Yes. And I love a good Hollywood book in any time period. So I am very excited to read this one and I'm sure that Maureen having so much experience reading romance novels and writing about them has given us a cracker, I'm pretty sure. So I'm looking forward to that. That's It Happened One Fight. And if you can't tell, it is uh, definitely a enemies-ish to other things-ish. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Sure. Yeah. They should have enemies-ish to other things-ish. They should have had you blurb it, Jess. I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> it should just go right across the middle there. It should. <laughs> And if you cannot wait a full 24 hours for that book, I will tell you the first book that I'm going to talk about is actually out already, but because it came out July 1st, I'm still counting it as second half of the year. And that is First Time for Everything by Mina V. Esguera. And it is about, it's interesting because this is a COVID slash post-COVID romance. It Mm. starts out during lockdown. It's a couple of good friends who are in the same place. They are, again, in the same small space, and some things start to happen, but then do not happen. One of the characters is sort of uncomfortable and stops the sexual shenanigans as they are getting started. (laughs) But then a couple of years later, these are two people that have been friends forever and ever, and so um, a couple of years later, she calls the other main character. So Sabrina is the one who kind of put a the breaks on a couple years later calls Victor and says, Hey, actually do you want to try again? Maybe Mm. try all of the things again. And there are a few things about this book that I am very excited about. It downloaded on my Kindle at midnight Eastern time on July 1st. So I was really (laughs) excited to see it. These are a couple of things that I really like. It's a friends to lovers romance. It is an older couple. She at the beginning of the book is in her late thirties, I believe. Then as a couple of years progress, she's in her early 40s. It's just, it seems like, and I will actually say, I have actually not read, I don't think, anything by this author. Surprisingly, this book is only 140 pages. Because mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, Jess, Mina Esquera has a history of writing very long books. Am I thinking yes. of someone else? No, no. She, like, I don't know if I would say all of her books have been really long, but 140 is definitely short for her. Yeah. So especially now that I'm realizing that this book is only 100, I read a different book that we'll talk about maybe on the next episode that also came out July 1st, or hit my Kindle at least on July 1st. Mm -hmm. So I haven't read this one yet, but I am very excited to get into it. 
Again, that is First Time for Everything by Mina V. Esquera. And uh, yeah, we will. I will let you know how it goes. I look forward to hearing that. What else you got, Jess? I, okay, so speaking of reading more broadly in new authors in Regency, this book is actually not Regency, but the author has written Regency stuff. The Duke Gets Desperate by Diana Quincy comes out in September. And I, like, I gotta tell you, I might read this book before then. <laughs> like, you know, Ooh, I don't read ahead. You don't do that. That's not your thing. Yeah. But I'm so excited about this one. Diana Quincy is one of those Regency authors that I discovered, sort of didn't really think about, and then devoured multiple books within a few days. And this one is the start of a new series called Sirens and Silk. And this one is Victorian era. The main female character is an Arab American woman who inherits a sort of rundown castle thing when the new duke has expected to receive it as part of his inheritance. You know, he's been planning like restoring it to his former glory and all of this stuff. And then he discovers that his uh, father has left it to his stepmother, who then dies. So then Raya inherits it. So so she's like, all right, well, I guess I'll go check out this castle. And then there's this duke there who's like, actually, this is supposed to be mine. This is my birthright. And then they have chemistry. So other things happen (laughs) oh other things you say interesting (laughs) other things look the first line in the in the description is diana quincy returns with a steamy affair so like you know things are gonna happen yeah i think that makes sense yeah that's a it's a first book in a like you could pick that one up you don't have to have read anything else correct as far as you know Mm -hmm. okay Excellent. Good to know. I should look forward to September 26th. All right. Mine that is next out will not surprise anyone. It's Iris Kelly Doesn't Date by Ashley Herring Blake. It is at, it's not out till October 24th. This is a good opportunity if you have not read the other books in this series so far. It's the Bright Fall series. It started with Delilah Green Doesn't Care, Astrid Parker Doesn't Fail. The third book in what seems like it's going to be a trilogy is Iris Kelly Doesn't Date. And I just love this series. Like, I I will tell you what the book is about. It is essentially a fake dating uh, book where Iris, you've seen Iris in the first two books. Often she is dating someone, but, you know, not always. And she, it turns out at the beginning of this book, is very lonely. She Mm. has a sort of failed one night stand and then finds out that that person is going to be in a play with her. And they, (laughs) for some reason, she wants to fake date. The other person does. It's a whole thing. Honestly, I didn't even really care what the description was because the feel of these books, like the feel of this series and the way that Ashley Herring Blake writes Mm -hmm. is just so, it's like you absolutely understand all of the emotions that these characters are going through because of the way that they're written. Mm -hmm. And when they are sad and lonely, you feel it. Like it's, it's a way that you actually kind of, 
Blake has this just ability to make you experience what the characters are experiencing, mm-hmm. both for good and bad, in a way that I think is really unique. There are some authors that can pull it off, but I honestly think that Ashley Herring Blake is one of the best at that particular skill that I have come across in the last few years. And it's just kind of, you actually genuinely live, not just in the world, but in kind of the experiences of these characters. And so I am very excited to get to return to that experience. And uh, so I I might read Ash, or I might read Iris Kelly Doesn't Date a little early. We'll see. Mm. It doesn't come out till October. If I can't wait that long, <laughs> I might see if I can come across a little bit of an early copy. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> But regardless, mark your calendars, pre-order, et cetera, whatever you got to do. Because in the meantime, if you seriously, if you haven't read the first two books in this series, I highly, highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am one of those people who I think I read like the first seven pages of Delilah Green and then got sure. distracted and then forgot to go As back. Happens. So I got, I got to, I got to get on that because I've- You got some time. I've loved- Ashley Herring Blake's younger books. So I know that I will love. I was going to say, she previously wrote YA, right? Is mm-hmm. that YA and middle grade? Got it. Yeah. All right. Well, like I said, you got time. Yep. You got five months. <laughs> you can take a look. All right. What else do you have? Speaking of things you've got time for, I have to say that I love The Lost City for many, many things. But one of the things that I love about The Lost City is that it has reminded people that we want adventure romance. And I am so excited for Raiders of the Lost Heart. Raiders of the Lost Heart. Top-notch name, by the way. (laughs) Top-notch name. By Joe Segura. It is coming out in December. So you've got a while, but it's just, it's so good. I'm so excited. Um, People can watch The Lost City in the meantime. By the way, if you did not come across it, that is the Channing Tatum, Sandra Bullock film from, I think, last year. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's very delightful. And the cover of Raiders of the Lost Heart kind of taps into the cover art for The Lost City, so, like, that's one of the reasons it made me think of that. But also, there are multiple adventure, treasure hunt, archaeology kind of books that are coming out over the next year or two. And I think that that played heavily into that. But anyway, Raiders of the mm-hmm. Lost Heart is about rival archaeologists on a dig. Well, on the quest for a dig. And then, of course, there is all other kinds of stuff that happened because there's always going to be shenanigans when there is a big dig that has like an unknown to it. Mm-hmm. We know that like real life archaeologists are just like looking for a house or something. Mm-hmm. And this is like, she's looking, she's deep in the Mexican jungle searching for her ancestor, who was an ancient Aztec warrior. So it's just like, there's, it's, it's a bit of a different feel to it. But she and the man who has been set as the expedition lead, um, even though she is the expert on the subject, uh, (laughs) have been uh, rivals since grad school. So there's a lot going on here. 
But then there's, you know, action and adventure and probably explosions, I think. One can only hope. (laughs) But there is also a little quote on the cover that says, your tent or mine. So, so we've got that to look forward to, too. That is very exciting. That makes me also feel slightly less guilty about the fact that the last book I'm going to talk about comes out November 14th because December 25th is worse. And that is Next Door Nemesis by Alexa Martin. Folks who have been listening to the podcast for a while know that I am a big fan of Alexa Martin's books. I really liked her football series. It started with Intercepted. And I, this book is, it's a rivals to lovers story, which is not always my jam, but they are rivals for a homeowners association presidency. (laughs) And I am at the exact right place in my life where I can appreciate what that means and Mm -hmm. uh, just really be all in on it. It's also sort of a returning to your hometown for better or worse kind Mm -hmm. of situation. And Mm -hmm. I, I really like books like that. And whether they are books where it all works out great or books where the person really is not thrilled to be back where they grew up and it feels like they have regressed or whatever else. Mm -hmm. But I just really like the way that Alexa Martin writes essentially romantic comedy, but not, but, but with like, there's definitely dimension to it. There's really a depth to her books and there's usually some kind of underlying tension or current or something. And, um, she's put out a few books since, uh, her intercepted series, but I, kind of had fallen away. And so I'm really excited to see. I'm not 100% sure that they have been romance. And so I'm excited to jump back in to an Alexa Martin romance, which I will be doing on November 14th. Uh, And it will be Next Door Nemesis. And I will be reading about homeowners associations and I will appreciate it. (laughs) So that is where we are at this point. Awesome. Uh, Anything else you want to mention, Jess? I think you mentioned that there was maybe something else you were going to shout out. There was one more that I wanted to talk about. I won't go into a huge description of it, but I want everyone to keep their eye and ear out for it because it sounds amazing. And it's called Thank You for Sharing by Rachel Renya Katz. And it's childhood friends to enemies to lovers. And it is about two Jews of color. And you don't really get books where both of those identities intertwine. So I'm really looking forward to reading that one. And I will just shout out as well that Full Moon Over Freedom by Angelina M. Lopez, which we read her book earlier this year for book club. It was this year. I think it was this year. (laughs) That one's also coming out. So Mm -hmm. keep an eye out for that. But yeah, all right. Well, I think uh, we've given people enough to pre-order probably for the day. Um, Yes. Uh, All right. Well, as always, thank you so much for listening. A huge thanks to our wonderful, wonderful audio editor, Jen Zink, who is patient uh, with all of us, Mm -hmm. more so than any of you know. You can find us on email and social media. WhenInRomanceAtBookRiot.com is the email. I'm almost afraid to share any of the social media because it seems like it changes by the day. But you can find me on Instagram and maybe eventually threads. I don't know. Instagram for now, at Trisha Haley Brown. Jess, where are you these days? I am definitely still on Instagram. Jess underscore is underscore reading. And I have the feeling I'm just going to be on Twitter until I open it and it doesn't open. Jess is reading all one word. And uh, every once in a while, I post on the clock app, uh, Jess underscore is reading. And there's probably some other stuff, but we'll give it a few weeks and see if 
if I'm actually going back there. <laughs> See how it goes. Yeah. Well, it's ever changing, ever changing. Mm-hmm. Please do rate and review the podcast. It helps other folks find it. As we mentioned before, check out First Edition, check out all of Book Riot's many wonderful podcasts. Let us know what you're thinking about Readings Your Romance, what you're hoping we will talk about in our next book club book. Any other feedback or thoughts that you have, let us know what you're reading. Jess, anything else that we missed? No, I think that's it. I hope everybody is staying whatever version of temperate is good for you. And happy reading. And as an update, my neighbors are no longer in the parking lot. Ah, darn. But I'll let you know how it goes. (laughs) Not today. We'll see. Tomorrow. (laughs) Happy reading, everybody. Mm -hmm.